Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We're bringing you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Guys, I have a very thought-provoking episode for you today. At least I think it's going to be thought-provoking. Well, we have some non-stepmom listeners, the show is mainly for stepmoms. Obviously, the title, Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I talk a lot about the stepmom experience, things I think that stepmoms need to know and understand. And basically, I'm just here to provide tips and strategies to help you thrive amongst the stress. And since day one, I have talked a lot about empathy and the power of empathy, especially in stepmom life. So basically, if you need a recap, empathy is the ability to understand and see and experience things from another person's perspective. And as a stepmom, I do think it's really important to be able to see things from the ex's perspective. Even if you don't always agree, even if you don't have the same values, just being able to understand and empathize with what the other party is going through, it can go a long way. And that's what I hope today's episode sparks for you. So today's guest is Alicia Robertson. She is the author of Make Lemonade, Thrive Through Divorce by Transforming Your Life. Now, Alicia had the million dollar family. She had ticked all the boxes and on the outside, her life seemed perfect. However, six weeks after delivering her second child, she knew that her marriage was over. Fast forward, after a lot of grit and grace and determination, she now supports women through just the vulnerable and challenging time that is separation and divorce. She helps women take their power back one intentional informed decision at a time. So in this episode, we dive into what divorce looked like and felt like for her, finding yourself post-divorce, insecurities and fears, how she felt like her role as a mother was being taken from her, especially when she was in her darkest days, how she redefined what family meant for her, and what it was like when a new woman came into the picture. I feel like after this episode, I still had so many questions for Alicia. I think there's so much more that I could talk to her about. In fact, I may have her do a coaching workshop in the exclusive Stepmom community. But for now, this episode is a good one. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's dive in. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Jamie. I am so excited for this. I think, you know, the best thing we can do is dive right in because I am just so pumped to get to the conversation because I know that so many of the women in my community are going to benefit from just hearing your perspective, right? We talk to a lot of stepmoms and basically everything's like all stepmoms, stepmom struggles, stepmom supports. But I think what's really important is for us to look at things from another perspective as well. So this is going to be good. 
I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I think the best thing to do is let's start from the beginning where you were just blindsided, right? Like you didn't see it coming and you had a conversation with your partner that changed your life forever. Yeah. I was someone and still am someone who is very results driven, right? And I really valued stability. So through my entire life, I did all of the right things in all of the right ways, seeking this perfection, this level of success, you know, the million dollar family, the white picket fences, the degrees, the businesses. And it was fun. It was fast. It was furious. We were working hard and playing hard, you know, socializing. I was doing all my favorite things. I was being the good daughter and the good wife and the good mom and the student and the worker, right? And the peer and colleague and all of the things. And I do love caregiving and I love supporting those people and spaces, but it had reached a point for me where I was in perpetual burnout and I was a very high functioning codependent. And so although I was serving everyone, I really was pleasing no one. And I was selling myself out. I mean, truly when you live according to other people's values and other people's needs, you lose your own sense of self, your identity and your purpose. And that's what had happened to me. And in our marriage, what that means is that I really was, you know, trying to be this vision of success based on titles and labels. You know, what is the good wife, the cool wife? What is the perfect mom, you know, the perfect family? And so when I really felt like something was off, which in marriage it is, and it often had been, and we talked about things and we would solve to the best of our ability, but we never really had the tools and the resources to go deep and to really solve what were the foundational issues for ourselves as individuals and as a couple. And so when I look back, there's no surprise that this happened, but in the moment I was so unaware of how hard I was running and how much I was losing. It's like the highs were getting higher and the lows were getting lower. And I think when that's happening, the highs are just high enough that it keeps you in the game. It keeps you in the wheel, you know, that may not be serving you, but is just your reality. And you justify and you make excuses and you come up with all the things. And I found society's narratives really supported my story right? Like, oh, you just have a young family. Don't worry about it. We all go through this. It's always messy and chaotic and the intimacy leaves for a while and it's just a period of time. Okay. All right. You know, constantly thinking the light at the end of the tunnel would be different, but I'm still someone who likes to know where I stand, right? Stability. So I remember feeling off and I will never forget my former partner was in the gym working out and I just went in because I also believe in just meeting conversation and, you know, stress and conflict, wherever it is, just putting it on the table, right? Wherever the cards may fall. But I never expected the answer I was going to get. And so I went in with courage and vulnerability and just asked the question, is our marriage in trouble? We were approaching our 10 year anniversary and we had baby number two, six weeks old at the time. And I was going through postpartum anxiety. So there was a lot going on and I really couldn't see heads or tails. And he was always the rock, you know, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to get through this, is what we're going to do. And so I asked him the only question I knew, right, is our marriage in trouble? And he looked back at me with this blank look in his eyes, as I would recall loveless stare. <laughs> and it was the greatest sucker punch to my gut and to my heart. Because although he said, I don't know, his eyes said he was done. And I 
didn't know. I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, the perfect world, all the perfect things and all the measures of success that I had, you know, fought for and achieved evaporated in a second. And honestly, in that second, I've worked through this, but I felt so much the guilt, the shame, the sense of failure, the fear of the unknown, all of these pieces, the grief, obviously, that came on overtook me because I was so unaware and I so wanted whatever this perfect world was that I fantasized about that I couldn't even process that my marriage was actually, my partnership was actually over. And so what did it look like after that? Did you, you know, fight for it? Were you in denial? You talk about being kind of a control freak and a type A personality. Hey, (laughs) type A, you know, control freak over here. So I can totally relate to that. But what was that like for you after that conversation? Yeah, I did all the things. You're absolutely right. So I was in complete bargaining and denial. And in that bargaining phase, that really looked like, you know, all the control, right? Even threats. Like I was so, so out of my mind and out of control. And I was just in the mode of save my family that all of a sudden it was, you know, we have to do this for the kids, right? It's got to be, we're going to save this for the kids. That's our obligation. This is about family first. That was the only modeling I'd ever, you know, been around marriages forever. It's for life. This is a commitment. This was a promise you made to me, right? I really went hard, like I said, in all of the bargaining, the denial, the shame, the blame, the anger, the jealousy. I remember even the craziest things would come up. I would be jealous of my children because they were going to have dad forever and I was losing him. Mm-hmm. And everything represented the unraveling of my family. And I just couldn't see how we could ever be a family if not, you know, the traditional nuclear family. I was absolutely gutted. It's also total isolation, right? Because at that period of time, this dirty little secret is in the house. It's in the home. It's not out in the world. So you're out in your world masquerading and to a very authentic place, still very capable and confident and you know, resourceful and independent, but crumbling inside our home and not knowing if we were going to be able to make it or not. So it was this really devastating limbo. And so I was very fortunate. I had a lot of support and a lot of help. I had one confident and my therapist, (laughs) and I really just started dealing with all of these things, Mm -hmm. but it was a dark time. It was a very dark time. Yeah. You say in the book, you said, I was so afraid of being alone that I convinced myself to convince him to stay. Yeah. And I felt like that was so powerful because, you know, I think sometimes when we're so scared and we're, you know, I haven't gone through a divorce, but I've had relationships end, and, you know, you beg for it to work out, or you think you should give it another shot. And it's almost because you have that shame and embarrassment and fear of the unknown that like even staying in that relationship that obviously isn't serving is easier than the unknown and like what's coming up. And then you almost kind of like your self-worth, right? Like as a strong woman, we should be like, well, if you don't want to be with me, then that's fine. Like, I don't need someone who doesn't want me. But when you have all of those emotions of like shame and guilt, you're like, please, yeah. you know, and it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. I did so many things. I, all of a sudden I, you know, would pray every night 
And the prayer was just bring my family back, right? Just keep my family together. It was things, it was this necessary journey that I had to go through, but I wasn't ready to take that step. And I also remember, you know, as you say that it goes hand in hand with, I remember when we finally decided. And so as much as I was blindsided, we had a year where we were in separation, living in the same home, but apart, right? And not knowing what, but moving really through to formal separation. And I was feeling sicker by the day, walking on eggshells, filled with anxiety, but had some time to process a little bit more. And I still remember with all of those emotions and as far along in a year as I had come, when finally we were going to go public with this information, what I still was most afraid of was the shame and the failure and the public humiliation and the embarrassment and feeling as though I was publicly rejected, right? That I was less than all of these things that it meant to me. And again, not being a whole person if I wasn't a wife, right? That status, all of these things were so, I mean, my ego was just completely out of control, right? And I can look back on this now. And I remember, you know, my husband at the time, he said to me, our partnership is ending and you are most afraid of telling the world. And I couldn't unpack that in the moment. I was actually more afraid of all of the shame and the stigma than my relationship ending. Because I think to your point, Jamie, like you can reconcile with the fact that a relationship is no longer serving you and that it's time that you move in separate directions. But how to do that, having the courage to do that, is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And so how did you do it? Well, one very intentional thought, spoken word, you know, action at a time. We were very intentional. So regardless of how this came to be, it was clear to me that I did not want to reside in the shame and the blame. And so through therapy and through a lot of mindfulness and a lot of self-care, self-care to me was my grounding force that just built this mental resilience in terms of really getting back to who I am and how I was going to honor my new family. I knew clearly, Jamie, that my new family and my vision, my vision for my new family was that no matter who in the world will become our new family, blended families, you know, extended families, chosen families, whatever you want to call them, I wanted my table to be filled with whoever in the world mattered to my children. And so it meant that right from day one, we had to be a united front. And, you know, you can imagine when you're in that blame and shame mode that I didn't want to take accountability for our marriage ending. I wanted to point fingers. No, this wasn't me. I'm not the failure. I'm not the one who, you know, has done this to our family, all of these things. And I realized, and I remember through just teary, teary eyes, sobby, ugly cry, journaling, I was in a place that I felt more ready to forgive and I thought because of all of those thoughts that I needed to forgive him so that I could move forward in a way that respected our new family dynamic. And here's the rub. <laughs> I'm journaling and realizing I actually have no one to forgive but myself because I'm the person who created this fantasy, this world, who allowed myself to not take proper stock in inventory and to be depleted and to not speak my truth and to not, you know, honor and maintain my self-worth. And so in that moment, 
it just with compassion, I was able to let him go. He was on his own very human journey. And so it became very clear that it was about our new family. And so even with this, you know, and oftentimes women will ask me, but I didn't, I didn't call it and it's for this and for that. It doesn't matter how we can heal. It matters because, you know, it hurts and there's things to move through here and we can heal and we can be supported to do so. But moving forward, people just need to know what your family needs. Right. And so Mm -hmm. the message with integrity is that we've decided to uncouple and we are completely focused on building our new partnership as co-parents. That's it. That's it. That's what mattered to me. Yeah. And that's very admirable and it's beautiful. And that's the goal, right? Like that is always the goal. You know, I can't help but think about, you know, a lot of the stepmoms in our community and a lot of, you know, the exes that they are dealing with. And I think sometimes people get so wrapped up in like the hurt and the shame and the blaming and the grief that comes from the end of that marriage that they can't do that, that they can't get to that place. And I talk to stepmoms often and I'll say, they may want that. I'm talking about, you know, the first wife or whatever. They may want that, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they are just not in the frame of mind and don't actually have that capacity to do that right now. Do you work with any women who are there? Like, what's your advice and support for someone who's struggling with that, right? Just like, you want to forgive, but man, you're just so pissed off. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's just what you said is that, you know, first having that compassion and forgiveness for yourself and that how you feel is real, right? And it's true. And it can be and is all of the things, the resentment, the jealousy, you know, the contempt, it's grief, it's grief, it's real. And you're right. My former partner's new partner represented my family moving on without me and represented at the time I felt all of the things that I had worked so hard for that they were going to be able to enjoy. And I was no longer going to be a participant. And I felt really discarded. I had nightmares over these things, you know, just accepting that someone else was going to be in my family's world. And I remember also feeling this sort of, you know, they're going to also be interacting with all of our social network. And so would I have less access to my friends that have always been, or were we going to be able to all maintain friendships on both sides of the fence? I also felt that I would be replaced. You know, I thought, will my kids like this person more than me? Will they have something to offer that I don't have to offer and therefore they won't want to spend time with me. They'll want to just maybe be with that family. (laughs) There's so many layers. There's so many layers Mm -hmm. and it really is a process. I believe of unpacking the facts, right? Sticking to the facts. So at the end of the day, I am mom nobody's going to replace me. I am my children's biological mother. And that when I started to recognize that that single fact for me meant to have more compassion for this other person coming into our world, because I actually couldn't imagine being on the other side, having to come into a family unit where there is that natural sort of just DNA bond, all the history, all of the things. And so just sticking to some of these facts 
The other thing, you know, again, how do I want my children to be supported? I want them to have a beautiful human being who can model greatness to them. I want them to have support in that other home to see, you know, intimacy, like what is healthy intimacy? We weren't able to provide that anymore to our children, right? What does a healthy relationship look like? That this person could come in and support my children in the other home, right? I can't support my children when they're with their dad. And so to have another human being who can come in and help with that heavy lifting is parenting is a massive, you know, help. And that my family might look differently, but just because there's another person involved doesn't mean that it's not my family. So I really had to ground into what are the facts. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. You know, you're talking about how you were feeling insecure about this new woman. And on the flip side, so many stepmoms are feeling insecure as well, right? So you really do have two women who are feeling all the feelings. And I think it would be just so powerful if we could all just own that and be that and say like, this is how we're feeling. We're struggling right now and be open about it. But no one really talks about it, right? Like you really need to try to just be tough and no one's talking about what this feels like with their family and with their friends and just being open about it. And in doing that, I think it prevents so many of us from getting to this place. Yeah. And what about um, recognizing that it also happens in perpetuity. You know, I didn't just check the box. Great. Now we're a kumbaya, happy family. This is continual progress and continual work. And seven years later, just recently, my kids went to Disneyland, right? With my former partner and his partner. That was still really hard. Mm -hmm. And I still had the ugly jealousy rear up and the ugly resentment rear up. And I had all of these really real emotions. Well, I still have an incredible amount of respect for who their partnership is and what their family dynamic looks like and us as a blended family. So we can be two very big feelings and things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more we can be real about that and process that and be not only vulnerable, but to be able to support one another through that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone in that situation knew that we were all feeling big feelings. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving who also help support the show. In the summer, we are on the go a lot. And whenever we come home, I always tell my husband how excited I am to get back and sleep in our bed. Now that it's fall and we're home more and back in routine, I am so excited to be able to sleep in my bed every night. The reason? The sheets. My bamboo sheets and duvet cover from Cozy Earth are heaven on earth. So soft, so comfortable, and even Oprah has described this bedding as the softest ever. Here's the lowdown. I get hot at night and regularly get the night sweats. These sheets are temperature regulating, which has made such a difference for me. Certified free of harmful chemicals, easy to wash, won't pill, and have a 10-year warranty. I cannot recommend these bamboo sheets enough. Of course, I have a code for you, COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off the entire site. Investing in good sheets makes such a difference in your sleep. When you get a good sleep, you show up as a better version of yourself in the morning, you're refreshed, energized, focused, and you look better. Good sleep is the foundation for my self-care. You deserve it and the people in your life deserve it. 
COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off the entire site. And if you're looking for sleepwear or loungewear, I also highly recommend the Bamboo Jogger Set. The quality and comfort is uncomparable. COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off the entire site. Go to jamiescrimshire.com forward slash cozyearth. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Let's talk about the power of therapy. In my support for stepmoms and anyone really, I talk a lot about the power of mindset, managing emotions, focusing on yourself and things that you can control. Let's be honest though, that's easier said than done. Often our emotions and our perceptions are deep rooted based on our own experiences, our childhood, anxiety, and what's been modeled to us. It requires work and often support to process our patterns, reactions, and the way we see the world. Effective problem solving isn't always easy. Personally, when my husband Darren and I first got together and I found myself a stepmom to three and a mom to one in a very short period of time, I was overwhelmed. I was triggered, I was struggling to cope, and I wasn't showing up as my best. I felt like all the stuff that I had pushed down from my childhood was showing up in ways that I did not know how to deal with. I wasn't communicating effectively and wasn't facing the new challenges of life as my best. Going to therapy changed everything. The way I see my stressors, the way I see my triggers, the way I look at my relationships, the way I communicate. It made me a better problem solver and it helped me focus on what matters most. Having a neutral third party and expert to support you through life is invaluable. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, facilitating over 5 million video sessions, voice calls, chats, and messages every month. BetterHelp set out on a mission to make sure that everyone has easy, affordable, private access to high-quality therapy. Since 2013, over 30,000 licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapists from BetterHelp's network have helped more than 2 million people face life's challenges and improve their mental health. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is such a great option. It is convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. No awkward waiting rooms, no commute time, no added stress of trying to find parking. It is so convenient. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. And if it's not a fit for you, you can switch your therapist at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash stepmom today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash stepmom and get 10% off your first month. You wrote something in the book. You said, mom was my primary role and where the largest share of my worth came from. Many of us gave up everything to be moms. Suddenly this role we're super proud of is taken away or so we think. In our darkest times, it's as if, Mother is somehow inseparable by wife. Can you unpack that for me? We've kind of talked about it, but I thought that was really, really powerful because there's obviously the shift that has to happen in the way that you look at motherhood, especially when you're sharing your children with another woman. It's so true. And isn't that in there is this, some of this control again, right? And this traditional thinking where in my situation, I thought, well, I've got to do the engagement and then get married and then have babies. And so just that in and of itself, that narrative that I'd subscribed to was that you are a wife and then you become a mom. You are a wife and you build a family. Like these are the things that you do. And so it was one and the same for me. And it's interesting because before we even had kids, 
and we struggled and I went through fertility world the first time with our first one. So the conversation for sure came up is, are we a family if we don't have kids, right? Are we a thriving partnership if we aren't a family? Did we just get married to be a family? You know, all of these things. And for me, in actual fact, as I unpacked it, it didn't mean those things to me. But I just kept pushing this narrative that, you know, again, that success, success meant, you know, celebrating your 65th anniversary with all the children. And I'm the matriarch of this, you know, nuclear situation. I was so ingrained in me that your ultimate success as a woman is to be a wife and is to be a mom. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting how far we've come in society, but still that's like very much our view, Yeah, right? How we can get so caught up in that. Well, and Jamie, like I, even as I go and dating and doing new partnerships, right? You say that and I will be amongst crowds and friends and still, is this the one? Is he the forever? When will he meet the kids? There's so much pressure on women Mm -hmm. to really be responsible for this, this nest, right? And this family and as a wife, And as a mom or a stepmom, how do you gel it the right way? (laughs) Yeah, the pressure is real. That's for sure. Now, you talk about becoming your authentic self Mm -hmm. and how, you know, you really didn't feel like you were your authentic self until going through that. Can you talk about what that process has been like? Because I think so many women are going to be able to relate to this because, you know, we are just doing all the things and being everything for everyone else and what we think we should be doing. And there's just so much more inside of us all. It is such a process, but I'd love to hear more. It's so true. And myself, as well as all the clients I work with, you know, I hear words from women as I don't know who I am. I've lost myself. I feel numb. I don't know what my purpose is, all of these things. And we do have the labels and the identities and the titles that we can cling to. But what is authenticity? And trust me, I Googled it a lot of times. I was so far removed from even understanding what is, you know, it's buzz, right? These are big words, right? (laughs) People talk mindfulness, authenticity, alignment. What is it? What what are you talking about? And even with my therapist, right? I remember I'd go back through notes and I apologize to her. I'm really sorry. This is like the fourth time we're talking about this, right? And And I remember the first time and I often ask, you know, same women that I'm working with, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, do you know who you are? And I said one. And again, keep in mind for myself, I identified as a very independent, strong, resilient, smart, capable woman, right? But at the same time was a one in terms of knowing who I am. Do you know what you want? Okay. That's another one. Cause again, I'm living for everybody else and do you have the courage to go for it? So this was a little higher, maybe a five, right? Hey, I've got a growth mindset and a positive attitude. I am going to solve for this. But again, it was like that result, right? I'm going to solve for this you know, situation. So authenticity was foreign to me. And I took it as an opportunity to inventory my entire life in order to discover who I really am. Everything from how do I like to eat How do I like to sleep? What time is my best bedtime? How do I wake up the most energized? You know, who do I like to socialize with? 
you know, what types of environments do I want to surround myself with? Every single thing I did was an opportunity to go, Hey, is this energizing me? In the beginning, it was just, is this energizing me? And as I got further along, it was, okay, so now these are my values. These are the, you know, three to five words that are of my code of conduct. So is this drawing me closer to those values and what it is that is of my highest potential or detracting me from that? And I still do that all the time. It's a very intentional effort. I believe that is when we talk about things, you know, oh, happy, joy, authenticity. Again, it's not a one and done. This is a continual self-exploration where we check ourselves in every day, in every accessible moment to be able to understand if we are with intention and with effort, putting ourselves in a position to live according to who we really are and what we really want. There's a whole lot of saying no. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I think it's really interesting. And maybe a lot of people who are struggling with feeling aligned or, you know, feeling like they are their authentic self. I don't think they realize how much of a process it is and the ebbs and flows of it. You know, I can look back even the last week for me, there are days where I feel super aligned. Like I'm on my game. I'm feeling like I'm right there. This is who I am. This is who I meant to be. And the next day or even that afternoon, I can feel totally unaligned. And it is that constant checking in with yourself and saying, okay, like, does this work for me? What do I need right now? What feels good for me? And I think it's so powerful when you do that constant checking in. Yeah. But I think that's the missing piece. Yeah. And you know what? And this is, you know, oftentimes as women, for all the things we're talking about, we all want is that, you know, perfection and we want to solve and problem solve because we're so in tune with what's happening around us too. It's really a blessing and a curse that we can feel all the feels (laughs) with empathy and then also want to solve for everyone around us. And so for me, the simple practices are quite simply doing less, not solving, not reacting, right? Taking that time to respond. And how do you respond? And for me, I had these as notes. I had them in a little notebook that was in my purse that I pull out if I'm ever sitting somewhere to journal. And I had them in my phone in the notes section. And it was really this check-in, you know, okay, so don't react, don't problem solve, say nothing, and then come back to myself. You know, is this something I want to do? Is this something that I have energy or time to do? And am I capable of doing this? Because so often, of course we can do it, but it's at a cost. And that's that hustle culture and that toxic positivity, right? And be every woman to everything. And I just slowly started really opting out. And it is incredible if unchecked how hard we live. You know, I remember the Metro locally, it's a grocery store that opened and it was 24 hours. And back when I was running hard and unchecked, for me, this was like, great, I can do my grocery shopping at 2 a.m. to put more time in my day. That is bananas, Mm -hmm. right? It's just really in every moment being able to go, hey, I need to filter through these three lenses and then respond. And so often I'm responding with, thank you, but not right now. Yeah. I'd love to switch gears and talk about the letter because you wrote a letter to your ex's new partner. I also received a letter, so I would love to kind of unpack that. So can you share a little bit more about the letter, the motive behind it, and yeah, give us a lowdown. Yeah, so in the beginning, it was selfish. Again, control. I just was, 
I didn't want to meet this person for the first time during a transition drop off with the kids, because that was the only time I saw my former partner. And so that would be the time I would see this person who was now, you know, living in the home. And so I was afraid. I was afraid of that interaction. I was afraid of selling out, right? Because I am a people pleaser. I'm someone who likes everybody to be, you know, just kumbaya. And, but I didn't want to be disingenuine. So I wanted to have this interaction in a really authentic way, right? In a really genuine way, which means that it likely was going to be really uncomfortable for me, but that that's okay. So this was the first time I was practicing this too. So it's a new skill. So I really wanted to set myself up for success. And I was working with my therapist and she suggested, she said, well, I've had clients in the past who have best case scenario went up for a coffee with this person. Or if that's not possible to write a letter, I thought she was crazy. I thought that was the silliest thing I'd ever heard of. I'm like, no, this is about me. I need, (laughs) I need to, this is about, you know, minimizing all of this uncomfortable feeling and making it go away. I think that's actually what I wanted was it all to just go away. Right. And the other thing I noticed with kids, you know, we often say, well, you know, you don't want to say or speak ill of your former partner or anything going on in front of the kids. But what I have come to know with children is that they are so intuitive and aware. It's about the energy in the room, right? The air in the room. So I also knew this. Mm -hmm. So I decided to write a letter. I wrote an email actually. And interesting because I didn't ask my former partner for permission. I didn't check in to see if that was okay. Because he did say to me after, he's like, that's crazy, but that's okay. (laughs) And so I wrote the letter and the interesting thing was- He thought it was crazy that you did it? Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? Because again, he was like, is this, again, we've had our own, you know, come into where we are now. But at the time it was lacking of trust. He wasn't sure that this was coming from an authentic place Uh or, you know, a motivation that he felt like it might be self-serving, right? And he's right. It started that way. He knows me better than anyone. But the thing was, as I started to write the letter, which is the power of writing, I started to have this cathartic moment of really inviting this human being into our world. Um, What mattered to me strategically is that we are all aligned on goals and values to support the children. And so what mattered to me strategically is that this was a person who was going to help to support our family goals. And you can see that in my letter very clearly where I just in the book, right, where I share it. And it very much is, I'm not sure how to do this or where we're going. And this is the first time that I've ever done this. But I know that my children are so appreciating you and enjoying you. And so for that, I'm grateful. And I just appreciate you you know, rising to this challenge that is to support our family and the goals and values that we have. And that's where the focus became was, yes, this is again about our new family and staying committed to our new family. So it was a full circle experience, you know, for all the selfish reasons through to all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. What was her response? It was amazing response. You know, she said, you know, thank you. I'm so appreciative. I can only imagine what this is in this moment for you. And I absolutely am on board to, you know, be a part of this family. It was an incredible response. 
And that as well was the first time that I just had, again, so much compassion and respect for this human being who really was going to be a partner to me. Because I think as women, in some ways, though I'm co-parenting with my former partner, it's still two very different and opposing views, obviously, or we would still maybe be together. And she was actually representative of something that might even feel more close to my center of gravity just because, well, there's there's such a magic in women supporting women. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started to feel. Yeah. And it's really interesting how even when you do have that positive co-parenting relationship, it's almost viewed in our society as weird that you can get along and that you can, you know, coordinate for the kids. And it's almost like society feels more comfortable when things are are higher conflict and when there's this turf war. hundred percent. Yeah. And I get all the time. Oh, you're so lucky. I hate that. I hate that so much. I am. I actually don't believe in luck. (laughs) I work very hard. I effort very hard to have the relationship that I have with my co-parenting partner. It has not always been the case. And both he and I have done a lot of individual work and a lot of, you know, work together to carve out what we have. And as well, the partners that support this blended situation, I mean, it is an incredible amount of effort and it is in every moment. I mean, if you have multiple families coming together, if you just have someone supporting one family, you are all checking yourselves in every thought, in every action, because you're honoring something that is, you know, higher than all of you. I think there's really no flex to be unchecked. Yeah, I get that. And here's my question for you. What advice do you have for a listener who is in that headspace, who's here to do the work, who wants to have, you know, that harmonious relationship, but the other side isn't there yet, isn't willing to do those checks? Because that's where the tricky part is, right? Because it takes a lot of players to all be in the same space to make this work. And I get messages all the time and I talk about this. There's one of those like jerseys with the mom, stepmom, you know, at the ball game or whatever. And like, this is how it should be. And I always get messages when those go viral saying, yes, this is how it should be. If every family could be like that 100%. But then that also puts a lot of guilt on the person who's striving for that. And the other people aren't there yet. So do you have any advice for people who are doing the work, but everyone is not on board? That is I would say probably always the case in the beginning, this stuff does not happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that are in high conflict or complex situations, it may never get there. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too, is what I say to people is that we only can control what is in our own home. And so we be our best self in our own home. And that is to be a nurturing, safe, responsive environment for the children and as a family. And if we're acting with kindness and respect, right, we don't always have to be friends. We don't always have to agree with or like what anybody else is doing, but we can observe with compassion that we are all trying our best. We all have different ways of getting there. I am far from a perfect parent. And I am far from a perfect stepmom. We're all going to mess up. But the important part is that 
we really stay in our lane and focus on what we can control. Sometimes through extending the olive branch and working this program, you get further along and you end up having a more amicable relationship where it can be friends. But until then, just focus on friendly. <laughs> yeah. I always love the quote. I'm like, you can treat someone with respect without respecting them at all. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I also really, I think that anytime that I am really either hurt or bothered or any of these big feelings come up that have me feeling activated, I truly believe that it is an opportunity for myself to have awareness, to understand where can I heal and how can I learn and evolve? And I don't think ever, right, it has anything to do with the other players. It has to do with me and my story. Mm-hmm. And so we might have big feelings towards any of these situations, but ultimately it is a personal journey to reconciling with why those feelings matter to us. Yeah. It's complicated. There's lots of work to be done. Thank you so much for taking time to do this. I'm so excited for the community to hear this. There's just so much value in this conversation and in the book. Now, where can everyone find you? I am at Lemonade Life Coach on Instagram and Facebook. I love to connect with people personally, so never hesitate to DM me. My email is connect at lemonadelife.ca and the website's lemonadelife.ca. And I thank you so much, Jamie. I can tell you from this side, your work is so incredibly important because I am able to be a better partner to my children's, you know, new family, right? And that family dynamic. And I think it's so important to have people like yourself who are offering an aspirational, positive experience through this. And I just, I'm so grateful for what you do because ultimately that's the stability that matters to our children. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, just to go back on one of the things you were talking about, how the kids can pick up on the energy. I just did a podcast interview with my stepdaughter and we were talking about just the years, you know, we've been together for 10 years now. And she was saying, you know, I knew that when you guys weren't getting along, I could pick up on that energy. And we had no idea that she knew. So I think that's really important too, right? Like the kids know what's up and at the end of the day, this is for the kids. And I think, yeah, you just got to do your best. It's true. You got to check your energy. I've done all the things, right? Close the door and crumble on the floor. That's fine. That happens. But in the moment, (laughs) you know, have that mantra, that affirmation is true. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. We are going to have to do this again. I'm sure this is not going to be the only time that we chat. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review. It would mean the world to me. But only if you like the episode, though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews, and coaching sessions, and live Q&As, and just exclusive next-level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? Just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week, and I'm here to help you out. 
To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership. And I'll see you in there.